I find it funny that he wrote an intro and I was like, oh, fuck, we're recording tonight. <laughs> I'm on a train. <laughs> things Roman? tired it's tough these days with you know family and work how about you same i'm feeling the crunch hey at, at least we both have jobs though and at least those jobs aren't in the oil sands of canada oh yeah like where canadian cartoonist kate beaton had to work for two years in her early 20s to pay off her art school loans Oh, yeah. Kate Beaton. She's the offbeat web cartoonist famous for her series Hark a Vagrant. She had like unusual irreverent takes on everything from like Aquaman and Lois Lane and Napoleon, Napoleon, Macbeth. Anyway, she wrote a uh, much less funny but very popular graphic novel, Ducks, that just came out a few months ago about her experience working in Canada's oil industry. Yeah, in fact, that's what we're going to be talking about on this week's episode. And Ducks isn't just about the oil industry, of course. It's kind of terrifying. It's about what it's like being a woman in an environment surrounded by a bunch of strange men on like a 50 to 1 ratio who, well, you never know what the hell they want from you. Or maybe you do know and you just can't get away from it. And suddenly our jobs seem pretty cush. I'm Roman Seckle. I'm Ryan Joe. And we are two guys who love art but didn't realize the cost of art school was like your human dignity. Well, I did. Anyway, (laughs) Roman, the cost of that fancy MFA. Did this book change your worldview as a working dude or as a father? Or, you know, maybe it just reinforced what you already knew? I think a lot. Of yes to all, man. I and again, I, I, the irony is we're two dudes talking about this book, Ryan. And I thought about that in in the run up to this recording. And I actually invited a friend, and she she read the book. And uh, you know, I think she found it dark, almost too dark for her. She had nothing to say about the topic. She found it terrifying. And something she texted me when she said she wasn't going to come on the podcast was that toxic masculinity feels best discussed amongst men. And I'm not sure how I feel about it because, like, it's my friend can't speak for all women, but I can't speak for all men. And I will say, fuck, you know, here's what's funny. It's not that all men are scum. That's not what Kate's kind of point of view is. It's that when you put this many men together with no women and no kind of normalizing behaviors, the worst comes out. It's almost like The Walking Dead, you know, like, hmm. I, I, I so I couldn't put the book down, and I wish I could have. That yeah, that, that's uh, yeah. No, there is an interesting connection to The Walking Dead there about what people become when they're put into these environments because that's something mm. that really haunts her. I think, you know, she goes through, you know, two very traumatic rapes. You know, when she's in when she's working in 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 those oil fields, and you know, in in, in you know in that along with being buffeted by all of these unwanted advances from a whole bunch of like random dudes. And leering and yeah. Yeah. And she kind of wonders, well, you know, like like back at home, I kind of think of like the guys I knew and, you know, what would they be like in this environment? And that's something that she kind of really, really wrestles with. It's, It's sort of like 
almost seeing sort of like the dark nightmare image of the men that she knew and the of, of men that that the, the people that she kind of grew up around it's 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 a, it's a question that she has of course we never come to any you know there's there's it's probably impossible to come to a conclusion about that especially when you're kind of in the midst of it but that that's something that that really kind of haunted me the w- the way she really engaged with the material the way she both confronted you know she the way she depicted what what happened to her while she was there as well as the kind of aftermath of that trauma and how it kind of changed her world worldview and her view of the of the people around her but it was it was it was a book that was yeah it, you know at, at the same time you know it it's actually a very kind of propulsive read kind of just well because because it's like this it's i mean it's auto semi autobiographical she you know i think changed the names of a lot of the folks but it's a lived experience it's like it's a documentary right yeah uh, but i i also think just kind of going back to you know so we, we we like just started with the dark stuff going back to like the opening right kate beaton certainly the way she depicts herself she's just kind of a funny sarcastic person and she's just trying to you know, make just just get out from under the debt, right? She's that, yeah, she's making a really mature choice. Yeah, like it's gonna suck. I'm gonna spend two years doing it. I'm gonna make a shitload of money and just obliterate my student debt. Yeah, which is and there's even like a moment like and there, there's a lot of levity in the book. There's a moment where she's like, I need a break. I'm just gonna go work in Victoria at a museum and wait tables. And she does it for like a year, but it's like barely making a dent. If anything, it's putting her further behind. Right. It doesn't. It doesn't work. The only job that really is sustainable for her, at least in order to get her out of debt, is is to is go to hell. In the, is, yeah. Is, is 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 to go to hell. And by the way, she, I don't. I don't remember if she said. I I looked up an interview with her. Or maybe I can't remember if this was in the book or in the interview. I think, or maybe it was in the afterward where she said her debt was only like $40,000, which seemed insurmountable at the time. But she, you know, she acknowledges that's not like the worst that people have ever had. And that kind of amazed me, right? Like, like $40,000, she had to kind of go through two years of bullshit for, to, to pay off a, a $40,000 debt, which in terms of like debt in higher education doesn't seem particularly that, that high, you know, just because you hear of people who have like, hundreds and thousands of dollars of debt in debt. It just, it just to me kind of like drove home the point of like how, how, you know, you know, how, how desperate, you know, people are and how, you know, well, how just, out of balance our systems are. Yeah. Right. right. I mean, and that's not, the, that's not, that wasn't the point of the book, but it was like, it's, a, it's something the, she brings up, though, a few times, yeah, or at least yeah, other yeah, characters yeah. bring it up. Like she says, you know, somebody else says, you know, like she talks about her higher education to somebody and, and he says, I don't I don't know if it was worth it. I can't remember where in the book that happened, but I remember yeah. that exchange. But the, but the fact that people shouldn't have to make these trade offs. Right? right. She made a really hard choice to descend into hell and she kind of knew what she was getting into. Maybe she did it and it was worse than she imagined, but she kind of went through two years of hell. That could have been avoided. She, I mean, she shows what the, and I know I'm, you know, I was not a liberal arts major, but I have plenty of liberal arts friends who did the kind of working at the zoo, working at, you know, multiple jobs, just making ends meet just barely and kind of living with the debt forever, but having kind of a happier existence 
but with this thing like looming over your head that even if you declare bankruptcy, you can't get rid of. And that was, yeah, just, it just kind of, and this is in Canada, <laughs> you know, it's just what, these are the societal, these are the societal breaks we have in the West. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I also want to say like, even though, you know, the job is just come, you know, she's surrounded by a lot of awful people. She's also surrounded by a lot of people that she forms strong bonds with. You know, it's, it's interesting. She has, let me ask you, how, how would you, how, what do you think of her, you know, her take on the job after, after it's all done, you know, her, her take on, on the experience that she had, you know, like, here's what there's at the, as she's leaving, this is towards the end of her time. Somebody gives her a photo of like some of the oil fields and says, Hey, just wanted you to remember us. And she seemed very, she's very, very touched by it. She's very touched by, you know, that moment, that photograph that she has the rainbow, right? Yeah. Right. And so it's almost like almost sentimental, but at the same time, it was not a great place to work. It was not a healthy work environment. It was a very frustrating work environment. And even, you know, even for the guys there, remember her boss, Ryan, this big burly dude. I mean, he just, he, you know, she sees him just start to lose it. She doesn't, she's not sure exactly what's going on in his life, but he's just kind of like, losing his ability to cope with all the stresses in his life. So she, it, it, it feels very much like this mixed bag. It's not like, you know, she, she looks at that and it was pure torture all the way through. There are certainly, you know, times that, you know, we talked about it at the beginning, you know, with the salts that, that, that were probably, that were, you know, torturous, but there were other moments that she, where she had like, you know, really kind of genuine connections with people who are working there. Well, it's funny you mentioned that photograph moment because I flipped to it. And it's around page 403 where her friend gives her a fully developed picture of, you know, kind of the wilderness and the warehouses. And there's this giant rainbow and it's beautiful. And then you jump ahead and it's the one of the only full page spreads in the entire book because it's just kind of a classic panel. Then you flip forward to like five more pages and it's like the class picture of everyone working at the fields that year. Right. And it's this, you know, like just keep alternating between the two. And. You know, you could say, well, oh, those are all the people I worked with. But, you know, a lot of those people represent something pretty bad to her. And I guess what I'd say is we've all run different sorts of tough gauntlets, be it, you know, grad school or a couple really tough years at work where you work around the clock, having kids, right? All these, those were kind of really formative, hellish years and you get through them. And I really don't want to be dismissive of Kate's experience, but they are formative. And you got through them. And there are things you wish didn't happen. And I cannot speak to kind of what she went through. But you get through them. And you have to. The only way you get through them is even the most traumatic parts. You kind of have to look back at the the positive parts and almost exaggerate them as being better, if that makes sense. I don't, do defi- kind of I definitely don't think. Right. I, I mean, she like the, her depiction of the trauma is is harrowing. Both times, and 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 the the PTSD or whatever she she experienced afterwards when she kind of relives the the ceiling of the feel you know the sight of the open bedroom the way that haunts her, and the way yeah. she tries to hide it when even in, in the, that moment when she confesses to the two dudes what happened, and they're like oh but you wanted it you were drunk, you know and yeah. and that that like you know that that just kind of like it seems like it just rips a hole through her, so you know I. I, I I don't think you know. I, I definitely and, 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 and hang on, and it's worth it's worth noting. I want to choose my words carefully. It's it's an and. It's not a just, but it's not just that she was raped, right? 
it's that she was in this scenario that exacerbated the circumstances to which that could have happened. This 50 to 1 male ratio where men just kind of behaved and everyone leered at her 24-7. And I I think that's the regret of it. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not sure what I'm saying here, Ryan, but it's just I think what some did... of the regret isn't just what happened. It's just that I put myself into this situation and that's it's not her fault. It shouldn't have happened. And, and then she does try to not justify, but she's like, as you were saying earlier, Ryan, it's like there's so many of these men that maybe back home where they were more societally normalized, this wouldn't have happened. And it kind of brought the worst out in a society. The Walking Dead comment from earlier. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think the other thing is like her her reactions, you know, her her take on everything is probably it probably shifts a lot. Also, like it's not just you know, it's not just binary. You know, it's not. It, she probably she's wrestling with a bunch of different emotions, and so it's it's it seems like it's you know you know we're we're trying to describe how what she was going through, and it it, it changes a lot. You know, and, and even you know we see her kind of that's I think one of the beauties of the book actually, is throughout, we see her processing all of these very complex emotions that, that, you know, it's not just, not just about like the misogyny that she encounters, but literally about everything, her way of life, the economics of it all, all of that is kind of like rolled into this very messy ball. And it's, it's sort of, and she's trying to kind of work through it, not, and, you know, and, and also, you know, but I mean, fundamentally, she's 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 living her life. She's she's kind of working through it over the over the course of of writing this book. So it is it is actually a really complex, a very complex work, just emotionally in terms of what it depicts. And you know, it, it, well, it, there are no easy, real easy conclusions that you can kind well, of draw from this. When you live through a harrowing experience. You live through it and you can like look back, but you don't have to relive it. And while she was working in the the Tarzans, she she was writing her normal webcomic, right. Arc of Vagrant and whatever other stuff. So she wasn't writing this book. Maybe she was journaling a little bit. So and I think she worked there in the uh, the 2010s or so. And this book was created over the 14, 15, 16. So she went back and kind of got her life back. And then decided to revisit the whole thing. And that in itself, like whatever trauma you've been in your life, you don't go back and document it in narrative form in graphic narrative form. And she did that. And that's like, that's really brave. I mean, there there's, there's an objective of hers and it's really worth reading the forward and the afterward in this book mm -hmm. um, of what she was meaning to do, setting out to do, you know, focusing on this is my story and saying not everyone was like this, but a commentary on this is happening like i don't know i, I find this book very brave the fact that right. she she could do this well the, also there's that other moment where one of her friends sort of writes about her experiences there and and, and gets a lot of hate uh, she writes online right so she writes an op-ed she writes an op-ed it's published online right and there's and a lot of people defending it or and kind of discrediting her experience which of course sends kate into a into a sort of rage I think that's probably also, you know, she saw like the kind of the consequences of speaking out or maybe the lack of consequences because, you know, people just dismiss what you're going through. And that makes you can say whatever you want on the Internet. Right. Right. But it also makes like if, if you go through something traumatic and horrible. So, you know, and, and something that you really want off your chest and people are like, ah, eh, what the fuck? Who cares? 
I mean, that's that just kind of opens you up to a whole new source of trauma, right? Because it minimizes all of the bullshit that you you went through and that really kind of affected you and transformed you and, you know, sits on your ways on your chest like a like a fucking rock. And people are like, whatever, it doesn't matter. So, you know, here's Kate kind of, you know, knowing how some people react when you criticize the oil sands and that community. And she kind of like devotes her whole, you know, a, a huge chunk of her time and energy towards towards building this graphic novel. The the thing about semi-autobiographical works or historical fiction, like we read in Berlin, is like, obviously the, the art and the story is compelling, so it pulls you along, but you know you're not reading a complete fiction, right? And I think that's what's awakening, not upsetting. It's just, you're entertained, and sometimes you're wondering, like, should I be entertained by this? Or, you know, what is happening while I'm reading this? I, you, you almost feel an obligation to finish the story, because it's something that happened. Uh, and that makes it a heavier read. I, did you, you feel a responsibility reading it. Did you feel obligated to finish this, or did you want to finish this? I wanted to finish it. I wanted to finish it. But there are moments where I wanted to look away and close it, and I mm. did and I came back the next day because, one, it's entertaining. And I feel weird about I'm entertained to kind of watch this uh, this kind of tragedy unfolding. Well, there's so, also, you know, there's some really funny stuff that happens throughout. During yeah. the war, you know, during like some of the people she meets are just, okay, like, let's put aside the toxic masculinity for a little bit. I mean, some of the, there are people there who are genuinely funny. Or even even some of the par- some of the people there who are you know they're they're just a little bit, you know she she kind of acknowledges their complexities even when they do seem awful like Dougie for instance right he he kind of yeah. has this hostility towards her but he doesn't didn't always have it and she's kind of wrestling with that because I think she does see aspects of him that she likes but there are also parts of him that are really kind of odious and. Mm. You know, she she leans into that, right? She she accepts that you know people are not all good, not all bad, and and you know she 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 at least you know tries to kind of embrace that that complexity at least for for some of the people that I mean, heck, you know, even with a rapist, right? So she's you know, and I think it's in the afterwards, she's like, I don't, you know, if you ask him, neither of them would think that they that they're that they're rapists, you know. So she's you know, even though they clearly are. Um, she's kind of acknowledging the, I guess, the multiple perspectives that kind of come into this experience that she has. And while we're getting, which I think is actually really interesting, even though, you know, it's her traumatic, it's her trauma. It's, she put up with all this bullshit. She also is actually astute enough to kind of try to hint at these other perspectives that might also be, that might, that might also be in play here. Yeah. And it's an observation of the banality of it. Like, to to your point, to them it was nothing, even though to me it was everything. You know? Yeah, yeah. That was that was a heartbreaking sentence. Holy shit! Yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's what she said. That's me paraphrasing, but it's like that's the sentiment she was getting across. I think she did say that. I can't remember. I can't remember if it was in the afterwards because when you said it, I kind of remembered her saying it. Mm-hmm. It resonates. It's and I think that look. It to be very clear, she is a really great storyteller, because and now I'm re. You know, we, we were saying right before recording. I I was so intrigued by you can see the wit and the humor, 
and the pure observation skill that she has. So I was genuinely curious, like what her more lighthearted stuff was like. And I'm in the middle of reading it, Hark of Vagrant, as we speak. And it's it's definitely a good palate cleanser is the wrong word, but you have an appreciation just for the wit that she has about her. And so to kind of see the wit play out in the horrors of real life is um, something, I guess. I don't know. It's I mean, more. It's a more. She's a more astute observer because of it. Mm, yeah, that's an interesting. That's an interesting point. So I don't. You know, I. This is sort of like a question we ask at the very end of the podcast, and who knows, maybe we're there already. But you know, it's you know, would you recommend it? Because that's. I don't know. I I don't. I I think more men should read it than women. I think our one friend or my one friend who read it, she was like. She found it upsetting and dark and a little bit triggering. And we should put that disclaimer at the front of the pod. And she was like, I don't, maybe, maybe it hits too close to home for the female experience in this world, but it's just like magnified. It's like a nightmare scenario. You know, it's already bad enough with men on the street. Now be the only, you know, woman among 50 men or, you know, one of the few women. And and there's, we, we haven't even recounted some of the kind of, not just, the traumatizing things, but some of the offenses that are paid to her throughout the book. Well, I think, I think uh, it's just so kind of frequent, right? And, you know, it, it's, it's sort of like all of these, it's a bunch of small things that sort of add up, like the way people talk to you, the way they kind of look at you, you yeah. the way they look at you, right? It's not like, you know, most of what she goes through is not like a big thing. It's like these little things that just that are really kind of gross and off-putting. And it's just... But the fact that it's sort of ubiquitous, you know, the, you know, when it's, it's, you know, when she goes back, so she, she, she has like a little break where she tries to make it work in, I think in British Columbia and can't get the money there that she got in the oil field. So she goes back to the oil fields, but the, she's like, I'm getting an office job. I'm, I'm not going, you know, and she's a lot more, you know, she's a lot more, more careful and a lot more aware. And there's definitely a big difference between what she's, you know, her experience when she's out in the field versus when she's in the office. And while, you know, she's a little bit more protected, I think, when she's in the office, though she still gets, you know, she still has her level of bullshit to to put up with and, and misogyny. That being said, though, some of her office experiences are kind of funny. I liked, you know, you know, like, I think there was, oh, maybe this was actually, <laughs> see, this is where I'm getting mixed up. This might actually have been before she was in the office but one of her co-workers gives her a list of items that he needs her to procure and she can't like understand his writing is not because right. it's sloppy it's just so weirdly misspelled that like all of the items feel like almost like items in well, like, a fantasy uh, quest well, well a lot of the men you know never completed high school right, right. The yeah well of education and so it is like literally i mean i at the Right now, I have a six-year-old, and to watch her write words, it's just how she pronounces them, you know? Uh, mm. And that's kind of how a lot of these words are written, or even misunderstood what the words are, because it's just kind of how they sound. So, yeah, th- th- there are comical moments, I guess I'd say. Yeah. But, so, Ryan, would you what, would you recommend this to someone? No, yeah, I would. I, I think, you know, she's... I mean, Kate Beaton is a really compelling storyteller. And... She actually tells a very complex tale. Like even if you were just a, even though you know if you were just to narrate it, 
okay, she goes to the oil sands, doesn't like it, goes to British Columbia, can't afford it, goes back to the oil sands, and then she's done. But in between then, she meets all of these different people, has all of these different interactions, some terrifying, some funny, some kind of like a combination of both, some frustrating. And it feels like every character, even though it's all through the eyes of Kate Beaton, it's every character in here just is sort of pops and feels like this fully developed person. And because of that, she does such a good job creating the sense of culture at the oil sands, the strange culture, I guess, at the oil sands. And I, I don't think that's easy to do. You know, I, 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 well, I these actually, are real people. These right, are real people. Right. But but also she's communic you know, just because they're real people doesn't mean you have the storytelling ability to actually communicate sure. that. And she does. And she does it in a way that just feels so effortless. And yeah, I'm just just really impressed. You know, I've read a couple of her short comics and they're stri- they're strips, right? They're they're kind of like mm. just, you know, with a punchline at the end. Or sometimes like throughout in every panel. That's how Kate Beaton is. But this one, you know, it's just a, it's a sustained narrative. And in a way, I actually almost kind of wonder if her, her training as like kind of like these short cartoons, if that really kind of helped her, right? Because there's so many like different small episodes that happen that last for only a page at a time. And then she kind of goes on to the next thing. And then, mm. you know, I, I almost kind of wonder if her training or her experience as a cartoonist focusing on these small moments kind of helped her build it. Because that's what it feels like, right? There's all of these small moments within the oil sands that build to this bigger narrative around what it's like to work in this place and what it's like to not have money and, you know, what it's like to just kind of just to just be struggling. And, Mm. you know, and, and, and I think that's actually part of the power of, of this, of this comic, the fact that it is the art degree and the $40,000 in debt Mm. that she had to go in. Yeah. No, I'm I'm being, I'm, I'm being kind of sarcastic, but, you know, my parents didn't let me go to art school. They said, go get an engineering degree, right? So you can make money. But, you know, I think an engineer who, female engineer who might have gone through this experience wouldn't have been able to retell the story in such a compelling format. And there's something to be said about being a trained craftsperson, uh, having a certain lived experience and skill before entering this and after entering this and choosing to turn the pen on this like that might have been harder yeah i don't know the the whole i'm kind of making a circular point i think but uh i think it it's not important for people to be in debt but i think it is important for people to kind of have these these studies and these degrees otherwise this sort of work doesn't get created and the sort of work yeah yeah right i mean you you kind of think well was it gosh you went you an art degree and you had to go through two years of this to to pay it off and was it worth it? But you know, well, I mean, you know, that's that's a that's a question for well. But this story, the story might never have gotten told, right? This, exactly, right. This is not a new experience that she experienced. She's not the first woman to feel this, right? But she's, she's the, the one first who, woman who to right. wrote about it or, or wrote about it in this form, and and got it across to so many more people. Because and, I feel like, and it might have been with her or not, but I feel like I heard a story about this on the news two or three years ago, not about her book, but about the fifty to one, you know, female male ratio. It might have been a podcast. Might have been a you know a random news story or a New Yorker story, but uh, and maybe it was Kate. But uh, you know, her ability to kind of bring this to the fore is is uh, very unique. Yeah, but and I also just want to say like there's such a specificity to everything she goes through that it doesn't feel like an issue book. You know, I think that's the issue. The, mm-hmm. the, that's the danger of an issue book is that sometimes it just feels very 
kind of vague or the issue gets, you know, it just becomes sort of like a polemic, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And and I don't think, you know, Ducks definitely, definitely isn't. It is, it is, it, it feels like a very lived in experience. Very um, singular. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for I mean, for 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 better or for or for worse, because you know it is at times like really really shitty what she has to go through, and you don't feel particularly great that 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 you know someone would have done those things to to her and her, you know, her coworkers who who are female. So Ryan, oh yeah, I I, I kind of have a question that we're not going to know how to answer accurately. <laughs> Well, you know, we're going to actually lighten things up a little bit and go to a, a fantasy land, albeit a fantasy land that takes place in actually, well, the Upper West Side where I happen to live. You know, what if your fairy tales are actually, you know, real people? Well, it wouldn't be a once upon it wouldn't be Once Upon a Time, which is that shitty ABC adventure series. It would in fact be fables. I don't actually know if that's a shitty series, whatever. And well, um, I do think it was, a lot of people, myself included, thought it was a fucking ripoff of fables like when it came out yeah that's what i was wondering yeah i was wondering about that myself i saw the trailers i was like that looks like kind of like a g-rated version of fables anyway that's what we're going to read fables the series created by bill willingham for dc's now defunct vertigo imprint and it, yeah basically it's like what if the fables the fairy tale characters like Snow White and the Big Bad Wolf. What if they were all real and for some reason found themselves living in a hidden neighborhood in in the Upper West Side of New York City? It sounds whimsical, and it is, but it's also definitely a comic for for adults. So you know, if you ever wanted to know how Pinocchio felt about being a boy forever and you know not having gone through puberty for like the last couple of centuries, you'll learn by reading fables. It sounds like an episode so good that it deserves two episodes for the month of December. Oh my god, we're going to do it, aren't we? We're going to stretch this fucker out. I feel like every year for Christmas, you give me the gift of multiple episodes for something I've been wanting to reread for a while. And that's our show. Like what you heard? Be sure to share with a friend, subscribe, and leave us a review wherever you get your favorite podcasts. See lots of pretty pictures of the books we read at qtdcomics.com. And since we're sure no one's listening, prove us otherwise. Shoot an email over to say what I got right and what Ryan got wrong. qtdcomics at gmail.com. Give you a social media handle, but we're old, and that feels like too much work. I'm Roman Segel. And I am and have always been Ryan Jones.